Time to get cruising on True Detective Season 1. So once again, uh, this is going to be our foray into working through the episode first and then talking about the uh, broad strokes. Um, unless you think we can kind of just do all of that in, in one shot since it's only eight episodes. Uh, it kind of makes sense to describe the flow and narrative of the show, like the the whole thing and then sort of go back through and unpack it uh bit by bit yeah i think i think it'll just be a self-contained episode though is what i mean it won't be two separate pieces no no it's it's short enough that compared to every other tv show we've talked about um it, it's just one basically one long movie mm-hmm um, it, it's all written and directed by the same pair. It's all written by Nick Pizzolatto, who's also the showrunner, like the creator of the show. Uh, and every episode is directed by Kerry Joji Fukunagawa. Mm. Fukunagawa. But I'm not saying that correctly, but... Um, yeah, so True Detective is a crime anthology show. So I believe the fourth season is scheduled to come out in early 2024. And as of now, the first three seasons are fairly different and have received very different acclaim. Season one is the one that has received the most acclaim. It was basically considered a classic on release. Uh, I wouldn't say that it necessarily does anything too inventive in the mystery genre either on tv or in film or writing wise but it is a very i don't know if fun to watch is the right way to put it but it is a very enjoyable watch from a mystery perspective the mystery enthralling yeah yeah enthralling um it stars Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. This was kind of one of the peaks of Matthew McConaughey's, uh, what do they call it, McConaissance. <laughs> Don't know if you're familiar with that term or not. I am uh, not. Ah, well. You did without, not come up with that? I did not come up with that, no. Okay. Um, I, I sent you a character chart, by the way, that I found, which kind of helps, but... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, the details, basically, the, the whole thing is about some crime that takes place in Louisiana. Uh, McConaughey and Woody Harrelson are both detectives uh, that are assigned to some sort of strange ritual killing um, of a prostitute named Dora Lang. Um there's like a, it's it's they find her basically naked out in the woods with like deer antlers on um and there's a bunch of weird cult looking things and the narrative is shown both from the past 
where they're trying to solve the case for the first time and then in the future where both older versions of McConaughey and Woody Harrelson are being questioned by the police and we don't really know why. Um, they set up quite a few things in the first episode, so even though I describe it as like a long movie, it very much is in the form of TV where they're trying to kind of hook you to get you to watch the next episode and set things up later down the line as opposed to a a movie where they might hint at the end, whereas this show plays around with time quite loosely. Uh, it, it jumps back and forth, not only between the present and the past, but the present, aka the future where they're trying to solve the mystery again, doesn't really pick up until the last couple of episodes. Um, so, yeah, the, I don't know if you have anything to add to all of that or if that makes sense as groundwork. It it definitely makes sense to me. Um, it's a good sort of setting of the stage, uh, I would say, for it. Um, Maconnaissance is, is a great term. Uh, not that I'm hung up on that, but yeah, it's, it's really funny. Yeah, Maconnaissance so, came from the fact that Matthew McConaughey's career started in the early 90s, and by the early 2000s, he had become a very generic a-list actor like he was only in stupid completely turn your brain off action movies or love actually completely turn your brain off rom-coms um because he's, he's a good looking guy and extremely charismatic and has a great accent so why not but i yeah i guess that's what producers thought and he didn't care and then in the early 2010s he began to uh take on real projects which was dubbed the reconnaissance because after 10 years of doing um things like sahara and ghosts <laughs> of girlfriends current or whatever the heck that's called uh i guess it was a shock to people that he would do dallas buyers club and true detective and ever since then now he's just some pothead that pretends that he will run for senator of texas and write self-help books that are for no one. But anyway, back on to the mystery of True Detective. Basically, the as they try to solve the murder of this girl, it's revealed in the flash-forward interviews that um, the case sort of came to a head and they had some weird gunfight with people out in the middle of the woods. Uh the, the case unfolds very logically and kind of slowly. Like they go and they question people at a church. What do they call those? Like traveling tent churches. These are things that only exist in the South. Yeah, and um, an evangelist, um, like a traveling evangelist, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, I, did, I did, before you jump in here, I did want to mention that McConaughey and uh harrelson because woody harrelson is also main character in this they their friendship has been i think almost like their whole lives um like seeing them together in a show that's not just like a show um not just like kind of like a throwaway comedy show um is fascinating that that both of them are real actors and they're they're great in it uh but also that they're 
like very close friends. Apparently wow. they, they, they might, what? I did not know they were friends at all before this. E, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty sure they were. There's also a potentiality that they are related loosely. Yeah. Um, where, where's all this coming from? There are a few, uh, I mean, the, the evidence for that stems from, um, I believe either McConaughey or Harrelson themselves. So that is not a reliable, um, source. No. So I, Matthew McConaughey is a wonderful actor. I don't trust a word out of his mouth. Yeah. Um. I guess there's rumors that they're half brothers, but it's yeah. Brothers. Does Woody Harrelson not know his parents? Uh, haven't haven't gotten there because I'm still mulling through the BS. Any anyway, they they may or may not be related, and their friends in real life was was mainly the only thing I wanted to say. I didn't have anything more to say than that. Um. Yeah, I thought they just became friends at, like during the show, but possibly I was under the impression that uh, they somehow were friends before. It, it it at any rate, they their chemistry works really well in the show, despite them like really going at it at times uh, and despising each other. Because Woody Harrelson is kind of more like a good old boy, uh, southern guy who has a wife and a family but like he he doesn't like his actions his morality is uh vague and he cheats on his wife and kind of doesn't like he's not self-aware enough to understand like what his problems are and why he's kind of acting out i would say and then there's rust cole who's mcconaughey and he is really like abstract and ethereal like head in the clouds and he says like crazy shit all the time that pisses off uh harrelson's character marty um so it's just interesting the way that they kind of face off against each other well the yeah so they're they're both like the most cliched cops you could have where mcconaughey's character rust is like a analytical by the numbers type of guy who's closer to being Sherlock Holmes, but with no whimsy, he's extremely nihilistic. Like he is just the guy that all, every quote out of his mouth is just like as sentient meat. However, illusory our identities are, we craft those identities by making value judgments. Yeah. And Marty's response is like, what's scented meat? Or he's just like, what the fuck? Can you just stop talking, please? Like, you shut the fuck up. Psychosphere. Yeah. <laughs> you don't say anything to me for two months, and now you're saying all this shit to me. Marty, you asked me a question. Yeah, and now I'm begging you to shut the fuck up. <laughs> that's, yeah, so Marty's that's like character, every interaction. <laughs> Marty's character is just literally a generic pop, like, like bad cop where... He's the he's a bad man in real life, but he's a he's a 
darn good cop. He gets the bad guys. And that's kind of a larger theme of the show that they try to explore is that it kind of requires bad people to catch true monsters or something to that extent. Yeah, um, there's like the staring into the void concept. Like, like uh, Russ definitely embodies that and believes in that. <laughs> well, I mean, they just explain that outright, that he did too many drugs because he was undercover in a vice squad. So mm. he like hallucinates all the time and is in the clouds because he just did a bunch of meth and LSD. Right. Um, which, which makes him ideal to try to solve this specific case because it's about prostitutes and children who are being fed meth and LSD in the middle of the woods as a part of a massive conspiracy that involves a state senator, the police, a mayor, and a bunch of churches who are running a child sex ring where they feed kids meth and LSD and then they diddle them in the woods and then murder them usually. Yeah, so I I apologize for derailing the intro there, but I just wanted to kind of set that stage of like these two are working together, but also kind of pitted together. And then, like you said, it, it does time jump between uh, 1995 and then 2012. Um, for the most part. Yeah, Those so I just, I just playing with through the, the whole plot. Uh. <laughs> right. We can we can work a little more slowly to, to bring people up to speed as well. But um. well, it's a mystery, so there's no reason to like go through the bits that they try to get to crack it if you haven't seen it. Like True. By, just spoil, by spoiling the end, there's no reason to know how they got there. The part of the show that's interesting in relation to any other mystery or like dark crime drama is really the chemistry between the two leads, mm -hmm. not their personal lives necessarily, because I think right. that's one of the weaker parts of the show. I would agree with that. Um, and the way that they're shown through time in relationship specifically to Rust, whose fractured reality is meant to be both the thing that helps him catch the villain, but also the thing that hurts him from solving the case in the past. And the fact that the villains are all on LSD and say shit like time is a flat circle and, you know, <laughs> there's... Because there's, there's multiple themes in the show, like the, the main villain who's just some hillbilly who lives in the woods. Uh, it, it ends up being, yeah, it ends up being kind of underwhelming. Um, is, is just some guy who like basically helps with the weight of this conspiracy by like the Louisiana people spreads the myth of a yellow King, which is actually from, um, an existing book. Uh, and it's basically, a. It's a story within a story. I forget the name of the book. I'll I'll find it here. Um, but the Yellow King, I think, is a not a book in a book. It's a play within a book. And when you read the play, you go insane. It's very Lovecraftian, um, which is an element of this show that there's always something um, formless, like in the void, nameless, something you can't understand, which is part of the way that this group of uh rapists diddlers covers yeah. up their crimes 
is by creating a myth around something and adding drugs to it so that it's so crazy that the public would never like believe in it basically and never believe any of the victims of it yeah so they the the whole show centers around as you said like the the case that appears to have been solved but then they're interviewing them to try to figure out like what actually happened and if they caught the the real guy basically um which then results in obviously them going down and and trying to uncover uh who really was uh at fault and who who like did the bad thing and then who was also behind like semi pulling strings uh within the conspiracy itself right because McConaughey Rust and Marty both know that they didn't solve the case yes they kill two drug dealers in the woods and they basically just sneak up on them and execute them and then they pretend there was a massive gunfight and they cover it up and then basically the state police are like all right that's it that's the end of the investigation because the state police are being pressured by the guy who the state senator who's heading the whole conspiracy so it allows them to close everything off and due to the breakdown of the personal relationship between mcconaughey and harrelson's characters they're unable to continue the case anyway but it's right. it gets opened back up in the present or future depending on which way you look at it by two new detectives specifically because there's been more murders that have been uncovered and they suspect that rust is responsible for them because he keeps showing up at the crime scenes yeah and they're they're wondering if he was basically operating as both investigator and murderer um mm-hmm. in in the past and the reason obviously that he is showing up is because he's continuing his own investigation <laughs> in the present or future depending on how you look at it um yeah i mean i i don't really know where you want to go from here if you want to talk about like characters uh before we get into some of more of the abstract uh thematic elements um I think we've covered the character. Like the only two characters are really them. Um, right. Everyone else is kind of in shadow compared with them. Yeah. Michelle Monaghan plays Woody Harrelson's wife and they're divorced in the present slash future. Uh, and she puts in a pretty good performance. Her character is a little underwritten. She ends up sleeping with rust, which is part of the thing that breaks down their personal relationship. I wouldn't um, even call it sleeping. Um, rapes. She rapes Rust. Yeah, she... Uh, yep, yes. Because um, he doesn't really want to do it, but he kind of likes her and feels bad. It's, he's, it's very he's used, unclear. He, he's used as like a bar stool that you flip over upside down and just sit on. That's, that's how he's used in that scene. Mm-hmm. And then it happens, and then she instantly is like, haha gotcha bitch and then he's like oh what and then yeah uh yeah so that in terms of other characters everybody else is just sort of a plot device there's alexandra daddario who is a lady that 
uh, Woody Harrelson sleeps with, like cheats on his wife with. Um, but that plot line really just exists to show how debaucherous Woody Harrelson is. Yes. And like his Lecturing. explanation is like, oh, well, I got to keep the violence that I experience in my work away from home. And the only way to take that tension out is with some court stenographer. Yes, that's what I was trying to explain that, like, he's not self-aware enough to identify that he needs to figure out how to decompress or, like, compartmentalize or, or deal with, like, the bullshit that he sees at work. Um, and due well, to that, due to his inability to figure out what to do with, like, what's in that box, he then acts out sexually uh, cheating on his wife with a, a much younger woman. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that uh, more largely, that's like the I would argue the main theme of the show outside of the like Lovecraftian murder mystery is the. The fact that there is no way for police officers or crime fighters to compartmentalize crimes like yeah. this. Yes. Not because they're weird mysteries where people have invented cults, but because there's massive conspiracies of child rape. Yeah. And and just like prostitution, like there's no way to compartmentalize that and just go home and have a normal like, oh, it's family dinner. Let's what you girls do today at school. Right. So, yeah. It, yeah, it's it makes more sense that like Rust takes a more logical approach to it, especially we didn't mention that like he used to be married and had a kid and then his kid got killed. I forget if he ran his kid over or if somebody else ran his kid over, but. His kid died in like a car running over. Um, and so Rust, he has a rust you're talking about. Yes. OK. And so that's why he's nihilistic. So that in combination with his job makes more sense than Woody Harrelson, who's just like, I'll drink and sleep with other women. R right. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a that's a very accurate assessment of the the show, just discussing. The fact that, like, we as humans are are not going to be able to to handle that day in and day out. Just that hmm. juxtaposition of, you know, what normal life is for everyone else and then what life is like for. I mean, these guys aren't first responders, but like you could you could make the case that like any first responder, any one who's involved in law enforcement, anyone who's involved in who, who sees any, any shit like this on a daily, weekly or monthly basis. Um, that's going to eat away at your psyche and your emotional stability and well-being. Well, you don't get the full scope of Rust's character until the fourth episode, which is the insanity of whenever, um, they finally decide that the only way to figure out what's happening is to go to a bike gang to figure out where they're getting their meth from. And so Rust goes like off grid and off duty and infiltrates the bike gang. And you see how effective he is as an undercover agent because he immediately just like smokes PCP and meth. And then there the bike gang is like, yeah, you're. We know who he claims he knows somebody in the gang or something because of his time advice and then they like go to rob some drug dealers and you get this like brilliant 10 minute tracking shot through like a um one of the best scenes on television 
yeah, through this neighborhood. It, it's a great, thrilling piece of action. Um, and it and it just becomes like all out violence. Uh, it ends with like you see how effective Rust is like in the field, so to speak, because it's mm-hmm. been implied that he's like a badass before, but you finally get to see him just operate his way through like a massive shootout in a war zone. Um, yeah, which I would I would say that this show is like practically perfectly weighted um, in that way, because where a lot of other shows claim a character's prowess or acumen, this show does that and then prove like it, it all culminates in that um, crescendos there as far as proving his ability. But then it also like. Instead of there just being a scene that's like, oh, wow, he's really good at shooting. Oh, wow, he's really good at this. It's like, yeah, but also like within the greater context of that scene, it's also doing so much more with the story and unfolding um, everything else around it. So it's brilliant, not only in its execution and the way it looks, but also uh, demonstration of character, ability, uh, as well as story. Like it rolls all of those together expertly and then when you put that in the greater context of the story itself and how it unfolds um yeah that that that's just perfect yeah i Um, agree then there there's this uh as you as you have identified it's going to be hard to talk about this just because as as you have said the show is very lovecraftian um in a lot of ways would you, would you be able to sort of like try to put that into words lovecraftian obviously it's in it's in reference to hp lovecraft the author but like describing what lovecraftian as a word means yes it is just yeah purely in reference to things that lovecraft created and wrote about so lovecraft is famous for writing um or sort of inventing the genre called cosmic horror which is a type of horror that is meant to be indescribable so it's the fear of the complete unknown um and so it ends up being the perfect um, creation for this evil sex cult because they have these things that are based in like Louisiana sort of bayou swamp myth, like Carcosa. Um, Carcosa is is like a thing from fiction as well. Um, like it, it should be noted that there there are tons of uh, allegations against Nick Palazzo for this show for plagiarism. Like he ripped the Rust character straight out of an existing novel. Um, Jesus. The, Ye- the Yellow King and Carcosa are just uh, concepts he didn't come up with. He just rolled them in here as myth. And I don't think any of that matters because McConaughey's performance as Rust and Rust in the larger narrative that Palazzo wrote is really interesting. Um, 
anyway, the the Yellow King is something that came from uh, a book called The King in Yellow. And in it, there is a. Um, there's a play. I forget what the play is called. I th- the play is called The King in Yellow. Mm. All right, sorry. The, it, this is so fucking confusing. Um, but basically, like, when you read the play, you go insane. And the mm-hmm. play references some fictional city called Carcosa. Mm-hmm. And Carcosa is, like, basically some city hidden in the woods that you can't, or not in the woods, in the jungle. Uh, and it's supposed to be very supernatural and, like, Lovecraftian, and indescribable. Um, and, like, home to monsters that are difficult to explain. Excuse me. Yeah, almost almost as if you're entering a new uh like sphere, like like a new both existence or like plane of existence that isn't isn't a part of our world. Yeah, and so that's ultimately what Lovecraft and Lovecraftian is meant to describe is stuff that is like geometry that you can't make sense of. Mm-hmm. This is like stuff with like impossible angles and impossible physics. Um, creatures without form, seemingly, mm. or without like specific color. <clears throat> it's it's worth reading some of Lovecraft's stuff. Um, I have the complete works of his. Um, I haven't read hardly any of any of them yet, but um, lots lots and lots of short stories. They're all. Mm-hmm. They're not all, but there are some pretty mediocre ones. But there are some really good Lovecraft stories. Um, Lovecraft, this is one of the few pieces of media that gets the idea of a Lovecraftian cult done really, really well. Because it doesn't lean into the supernatural. It allows the supernatural to remain enigmatic. And by allowing the mystery to be unscribed, un indescribable exactly until the very end when it's just like oh right it's just some hillbilly in the woods that feeds people meth and lsd right yeah. it's 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 a very obvious thing but they still allow you to get drawn in the way that rust is drawn in because yes. of rust's hallucinations and dissociations um which is most which is why the show is so uh as you said, not enjoyable, but I don't even remember the word I, I used earlier at the beginning. Yeah, thrilling. Enthralling, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you you and Rust, because ultimately, like, yes, Rust and Mari are the main characters, but you kind of are, are caught more with Rust than you are with Marty, especially how the show ends, right? You're drawn into that space and captured as he is um because you want to know what what the hell is going on and you want you want to solve the mystery Mm -hmm. um and i would also argue that the the piece of lovecraft within this is a metaphor for how horrifying um what that cult is doing right it's a it's a monster without form and the monster Mm -hmm. without form is that they are raping kids mm-hmm. like that's that's the the metaphor like it's it's not very um complicated but it is terrifying 
um, right, in, a, in some... a real sense. Like when yeah. you really define what's happening, that's there's there's really like hardly hardly anything worse than that. Um, Maybe genocide. Yeah. So as far as like discussing a monster, um, that's monst in its monstrosity. Um, you you pull pull it into a, a place where you you've made it more ethereal um, to experience because of how terrifying it is to to accept and understand. I don't know if any of that makes sense, but it probably makes as much sense as listening to Rust talk about stuff. Uh, it it makes sense, but more largely, I think the like the key to to having something be as like Lovecraftian or in this realm of horror is to have it be rooted in something like that, as opposed to going in a supernatural direction. Because that, right, that's right, I, right. the point I was getting at earlier is that most Lovecraft adaptations fail because once you get into the supernatural and fantastical directions of horror, usually things just become silly because yes. they're so extraterrestrial and you've defined them by making them visual. And you've that's also why broken, Lovecraft works is what? You've also broken the immersion that you've set in place, like whatever imagery or uh, situation or environment that you've created that is so terrifying or um, monstrous or draws you in. Once you do define that monstrous shape and like its face comes into um, picture, you're just like, oh, okay. (laughs) It's just a ghost that like comes out of the mirror and looks like this, like. All right, mm. got it. Cool. Yeah, the thing that you do not see is always going to be scarier than that which you do. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they're like, I would argue by and large, mysteries almost always function better as a written word in literature or novellas or short stories or what have you than they do in a visual medium because once you've defined it, there is no mystery. Yes. I've seen very very few exceptions to that we've talked i guess not on any episodes we've released about um here a japanese movie that i would argue is say that again the, which the title movie, the movie cure yes. c-u-r-e no i i heard you it just was hard to hear the way you said it yeah we we should do an episode on that honestly it's one of the only examples I've seen in a movie where they maintain the mystery throughout without ruining anything for you and keeping you on your toes. So it operates as a good enough sort of psychological thriller, psychological horror, while keeping the mystery going and not explicitly explaining to you what happens by the end. Yes. Which is super rare. Because this this show, and it's something I would argue about Nick Pizzolatto as a I wouldn't call him a hack because I think this show is pretty good. Like this season of the show is pretty good. As but a I think, stitcher. He's a stitcher. Yeah. By, yes. By, by and large, I would say he's kind of a mediocre writer, but he put all of his good ideas into this season, which helps it uh, 
stay together really well. I, I think it also helps that he wrote the whole thing and it's directed all by one guy. So it feels very whole, like very one one work as opposed Single to a vision. lot of different visions. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I guess every in, in... every episode also just is it like it's really hard to define, uh, but it feels like it's perfectly like placed kind of like those beer can uh, figures that Rust has made uh, oddly like he's just chugging beer while explaining what happened and then starts cutting them up and putting them into like figures and placing them on the table. And that's kind of how each episode uh, feels as well, where you're like trying to figure out what the hell he's doing. Like, all right, man, we understand you're drinking alcohol. Uh, wh- wh- what? Are, wh- why are you cutting those up? What? Why are you placing them on the table? And yeah, then... the, the show's very well structured in that mm-hmm. sense. There, There is deep symbolism i would say as well as simple symbolism which i would argue um is a strength and as as you said uh bringing it back to how it keeps the mystery going the whole time and then when it does reveal that for you what the mystery ultimately is um it does kind of feel rather like simple and as you said it can feel anticlimactic but then if you kind of think about how the world like actually is, that is as climactic as it can be. Yeah, but by the end of the show, it's less about like you getting to see yes. them shoot a bunch of cultists yes. as much as it is like them trying to get justice against a monster. Yeah, because the guy is a real life monster. He's not just like a yellow king spaghetti man with green tentacles and a weird beard yeah He's because like the whole a, time because the whole time you, Billy. you are wondering if that's what you're going to see at the end of the road like where is the big green spaghetti monster like where where is this thing that that we've been searching for um yeah and then ultimately like it's a it is about survival in the physical sense of surviving that attack and everything but then also survival in the grand scheme of things with how the the show actually ends of okay if we are alive what are we supposed to do now (laughs) yeah and i've gone back and forth on how much i like the end of the show because the show ends with them just they just shoot the bad man and then they both end up in the hospital from the fight Mm -hmm. and rust has like a very hopeful series of quotes at the end about like once the universe was all dark but now there's lat i'd say the lat's winning and they make the whole they sort of mythologize their own story in the story where they're Mm -hmm. saying like we're just a small part of this great battle between light darkness and some depending on when i watch the show or how i'm feeling i really like the ending because it feels like they sort of earned it through the mystery they told. And then other times I'm like, what a stupid fucking ending. I, I hate that quote. What an awful, awful way to end the show. Yeah, it's like it's something like if you ask me, the light's winning. That's yeah. exactly what he says. Yes. Yeah. Um, I have always loved loved the end. Um, whether or not it's because it it falls in line with 
some of my own uh, beliefs or or feelings, but um, I think it works really well uh, as a culminating piece to his character character arc and both of theirs as well. Could there have been something better? I mean, probably. Um, maybe not for that last piece, but um, maybe something like before it, like with him, when he, they're talking, like in the hospital or something. But um, so, what have we not talked about? <laughs> like, what what are we what are we missing here? Because <clears throat> I just vaguely what the show does well versus not that that was kind of the direction I was going. Like, I yeah. think the show. The thing the show does best, other than delivering an interesting, well-paced, well-structured mystery that jumps between 1995 and 2012. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, we mentioned the chemistry between the two leads. McConaughey is phenomenal in the show. Um, Like his quote, if if you're even a little pessimistic or cynical, you'll love his character. You'll love all his quotes about like, I think we should deny our program and stop reproducing, walk hand in hand into extinction. Like just <laughs> hilarious quotes like that. Um, I I mentioned we both mentioned like the action in the show is really good. Like the the scene where they're doing like robbing the drug dealers is incredible. Um, I mean, Carrie Joji Fukung Aga. I don't like his name. It's a difficult Fukunaga. name for me. Fukunaga. Um, I keep wanting to add a W. It's it's really my own fault. Uh, he He's a great action director who's sort of fallen ass backwards into some quote-unquote real projects uh, over the years. I don't know how familiar you are with him, but... Um, he He's directed only a few movies uh and he hasn't done too too much in tv either he directed a jane Eyre movie oh my god yeah it's terrible it's it's i mean i was gonna say i given this product i would have hope for the jane Eyre book or movie but Mm -mm. because to be clear my reaction is not in regards to the book jane Eyre, which really grew on me uh, it's more, I just wouldn't imagine him doing that. <laughs> well, it's a mystery, and it's right. a romantic mystery, and True Detective Season 1 has a lot of that in it, but I don't think that the romance or lack thereof or breakdown of it in this show is the strongest point. I would argue it's the weakest point, and yes. specifically from a direction standpoint, not even from a writer's standpoint. Because part of from a writer's standpoint, it's mostly just like exploitative it's where it's like yeah. we just want to see uh, Alexandra Daddario with fewer clothes. Yeah. And we would and give Woody Harrelson his like power fantasy slash show how uh, pathetic he is. Right. From a directing standpoint, I just don't really like the direction. Like the, the, the scenes take is is very, very generic and cliched. Yeah, it um, is. Especially the one, there's one where they go to like the rodeo or the bar or whatever, <laughs> and they're like dancing around and like just ch- ch- chugging pitchers of beer and the the 
Daddario ladies in the background, like, <laughs> he's with his wife. Oh, yeah, it's very, like, high school or, or college-esque uh, drama. Yeah, so there may have been a better way. Maybe it's wrong to describe it this way, but a more mature way to show the breakdown of Marty's relationships. Um, I think that his relationship with his kids is portrayed well, like his role as like cop dad. Right. And then trying to stamp out his his child's uh, coming to terms with sexuality. Right. Which at a young age specifically because of the child rape stuff that he had to deal with yes um and that's like that's a, a great well. character moment yeah yeah i yeah. I, I wanted to say we, we briefly touched on this just from um rust's experiences that he has because of all of the drugs that he did in the past but i really just love how they've they force you into his experience of the world in that way, such as like the GIF that I have obviously on screen of just like things are vibrating and things are moving that they shouldn't be moving in that way in, in like the way that normal people are experiencing the world for, for lack of a better way of explaining it. Uh, I don't want to necessarily say that rust is abnormal but his experience in life is abnormal due to the the drugs and psych psychosis uh you could say that he has experienced like down to the point where he doesn't have like he doesn't have things hung up uh in his apartment he just has like a cross because he, he has meditates a... on christ's moment of crucifixion <laughs> He has the cross, but then also he has that tiny little square uh, mirror that he can only see, like, part of his eyeball in. <laughs> that uh -huh. he goes and stands in front of. Like, I love all of that shit. Uh, if I come to your place the next time and stay there and you just have a tiny square mirror and nothing else up, or a cross as well, I'm gonna be fucking concerned. <laughs> Uh yeah, same. Um uh I can't really think of anything that we missed. I think we covered most of it. I feel I feel pretty good about uh about today. I feel pretty good about what we talked about. Yeah. Um we will see if we do talk about the other seasons. Um I'm not that interested in discussing them. But I haven't even watched them. Gotcha. I think I saw all of season two. I don't think I saw any of season three. Um, but season anyway, four coming out soon and not written by Nick Pizzolatto. Fascinating. It was, yeah, uh, it's it's written by Issa Lopez and completely directed by her as no offense to to this person but when you first started saying that i thought you were saying isla fisher the actress and i was gonna get very concerned um no isa lopez uh, a mexican lady gotcha so nice job racist what 
I was saying I didn't trust an actress that I have never seen seen her write anything before. Racist. Okay. So at the end of everything, we understand that I'm racist, and this show is definitely worth watching. Mm-hmm. Tune in next week to find at least if, the first. If no one is racist. <laughs> yeah, at least the first season. Uh, for sure, for sure. Uh, this is a must-watch though for for anyone that that likes TV or or film. All right, take care, everyone. Adios.